South Westminster, Chapter 178, Indulgent Consequences. Anushka Blackwell had been having her usual lazy, indulgent morning. A long soak in her favourite bath oil, using its lubricating suds to bring herself to orgasm. Shame to waste such expensive stuff, she'd always thought. Freshly brewed single-estate Nepalese black tea with two slices of lemon and heaps of freshly laundered fluffy bath sheets to wrap her gorgeous bronzed self in. Over her 55 years on this earth, she had developed extremely refined tastes and, as a consequence, had got through an obscenely high number of staff, most leaving voluntarily as they simply could not meet her exhaustingly high standards or take the arrogant rudeness she was wont to dish out to underlings. Anyone seen as superior or useful, she fawned over, producing an ingratiatingly cringeworthy spectacle which made even the most hard-bitten servant want to puke. She couldn't help having such expensive tastes. It was the way she'd been brought up by her domineering father, Alfred Blackwell. And yes, she was well aware the world thought she was still single. Her name gave that away having never managed to get her long-term, her once long-term boyfriend, Gregory Upstein, to pop the vital question. In spite of the fragility of her position, she'd prided herself that she'd managed to carve out a niche for herself. And finally, for cash, she'd bought this house, this oasis of tranquillity in the storm-tossed other world, that world without, where her father had died too young and too inexplicably, where that failed non-husband had been dragged through the smut of court cases, the Death Eater media, then finally a sure assassin's rope in that hellhole of a prison. A million miles and a lifetime away was another mere mortal, suffering unending and insuperable waves of emotion. Prince Marcus had just read the front page of the post and yelled aloud, not words, just a long wail of pain, perhaps the word no, in an unending stream of howls. It was pure good fortune that no one was inside the residence at the time as his ex, with whom he shared this royal cottage in the grounds of Windsor Castle and who had never actually moved out in the several decades since their divorce, was recording her latest project in the writing shed at the bottom of the garden and that was a good ten-minute fast walk away. No, Prince Marcus was entirely alone, and so he could weep openly, profusely and uninterruptedly. He felt isolated, abandoned and bereft. Torrent after torrent of misunderstandings, misquotes and fake photos were drowning him. His legal team had told him to say nothing, stay away from publicity, particularly after that dumb and senseless car crash of an interview which he'd arrogantly sallied forth into against all warnings apart from that of his then personal advisor. She'd subsequently been given the chop after an obscenely large payout by way of hush money. How had everyone got it all so wrong, he kept saying to himself. I'm not a predator or a paedophile. I was an honourable friend. Greggs was introduced to me by Anushka. I didn't go seeking him out. I didn't know what was going on. Why should I? There's always staff around wherever I've been in my life. No, I didn't notice that they were all young girls sporting revealing clothes. It was always hot weather, so they were bound to be wearing bikinis. 
This monologue had been playing in his head continuously for months now, as the noose was tightening around his neck and his day in front of justice was nearing. He had been driving even Fitzy mad, which showed how bad Marcus's mental state had become. Thank God for Carly, Marcus mouthed in gratitude for the one person with whom he could be honest, the one person who'd stood by him with unconditional devotion. And so, as soon as he saw Fitzy lazily walking back from her recording stint, he rushed out waving the post in her face, the reason for his emotional outburst. Look, look, he shouted, jabbing his finger at the front page headlines. She's been arrested, right there it says, from her bolt hole in New Hampshire. Calm down, calm down, my royal loveliness, soothed Fitzy. So what? It was going to happen sooner or later, so better to get it over with. His ex-wife's words always hit the right note with the prince, and he felt his agitation abate, his heart rate slow, and a lessening of the profusion of beads of sweat, which he'd alleged in that wretched interview it was medically impossible for him to shed. The noose was, however, tightening round his royal neck as, with Anusha captive, he knew that his testimony would now be a priority for the US court case and that, moreover, she'd sing like a canary. He racked his brains again and again to try and analyse what she could possibly say about him. He'd stayed often in Greg's various estates, flown in his private jet, partaken in drink and drug partaken in drink and drug fueled parties, though he himself was teetotal, and he certainly had been a recipient of Anushka's lavish attention. But was any of that a crime? Other unwilling names were appearing in the pages of the post that day. The connections of Alex Cannon's half-brother, Lindley, with the Bill Redman planning application scandal had been reported last week, and now, today, Annabel, Prince Edmund's wife, was becoming an unfortunate target in that her sister's son, Harry Bennett, it was revealed, had also become entangled in the same housing application furor. When would it all end? Our high echelons were becoming mired in scandal and skullduggery. But it made for good copy and shifted thousands of posts, so the likes of Crispin Dunk were coming out of lockdown on the crest of a wave of eager anticipation. His next project was well in hand and involved the PM's careless use of words, though the thrust of Dunk's research was that he believed the PM never did anything, including his use of words, without the utmost intention and clarity of purpose. The latest intent had been to test the water with the blame game for the pandemic. Benedict Morgan had cleared the way for the care sector to bear the brunt of any inquiry-led fault-finding. And so, during a speech to a random audience in a factory located in a random red wall constituency, Potty said that the 20,000 deaths borne by the care sector had been due to their not following the correct procedures, as if. He had clean forgotten that there were no rules at the beginning of the pandemic and care home staff were having to make up their own guidelines as the crisis unfolded, whilst at the same time having many undiagnosed COVID patients dumped on them, unprepared and forced to accept these patients with the threat that their limited government support would be cut. Unsurprisingly, there was a public outcry at what became labelled slap for care homes, not clap. As ever, no one apologised but fluffed and flummoxed around, saying vacuously that the sector had done an amazing job in unprecedented circumstances. Sorry, 
really had become a jinxed word that had to be avoided at all cost. With lockdown easing, Dunk and Bobby had planned their nuptials and both were thrilled and relieved that at last they could officially declare their love to the world. And with all this work piling in for Dunk, they planned to hold one hell of a celebration. <laughs> 